if I recall, I had the the director, Andre Belgrader, uh, and Randy Zish, the producer, the showrunner at the time, like, let me just go off. And I think it was like something like, you know, in, in one of the takes, it was like, all right, put your hands on your head. Now take them off your head and put them behind your back. Now take them from behind your back and put them in front of your face. Now put them back behind your head again. And I just kept going off and off until you basically caught on. You were like, just shut up, man. I'm tired of sucking up. I'm tired of sucking up and working for the man Keeping people down cause the law book says I can Cut my brothers and sisters, oh it's not the way to be But honey those days are gone cause baby I am free Well everybody, welcome back to the Randy Disher Podcast, all things Monk and more. I'm Jason, that's Lara. Lara, what's going on today? How's it going? Uh, it's going really, really good. Uh, and, uh, you know, in keeping with last week's episode, yeah, I've got another pal coming on the show today. You do. Yeah, so I'm jumping right to it, okay? From Mr. Monk, gets jury duty, Emmanuel Vogier is joining us today on the Randy Disher podcast, all things Monk and more, and that's exactly what we're going to do, all things Monk and more. So please welcome Emmanuel Vogier to the show. Manny, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm caffeinated. Life yep. is good. All right, caffeinated and ready to roll. That's what I that that's what I like. Hey, so listen. Obviously, um, you know, uh, you did uh, an episode of Monk, but let's just uh, do a little uh, kind of walk down memory lane. We've got uh, a little two and a half men. We've got uh, the CSI New York, uh, the CSI franchise, CSI New York specifically. We've got uh, the Morrigan from Lost Girl. We've got uh, Charmed, One Tree Hill, Smallville, uh, Supernatural. Like, I mean, you really, really run the gamut. The Saw franchise. Um, You kind of have have done a little bit of everything. Um, But let's start, obviously, with Mr. Monk Gets Jury Duty. Um, Listen, uh, for all the uh, listeners out there, uh, Emmanuel, how long have we known each other, man? Oh, my gosh. We're going to date ourselves here. Uh, God. It's considering be, considering we're only 25 years old, how long have we known each other? Since we were born. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's been 20, I think it's been about 25, 26 years. Yeah, that, yeah. And, and, and uh, obviously you and I kind of moved down to Los Angeles uh, at the same time. Uh, when, when was, when did we go to Los Angeles? Was it 98 or 99? It was, I, I think it was 98 because I'm, I'm thinking it's about the time I did, that you did Hysteria. Uh, oh, with yeah. Amanda Plummer uh, and Patrick McGowan. Um, and uh, who who else? Who was the fella in that? Michael, do you remember? Michael Maloney. Michael Maloney. Great. Love him. Love Great actor. Um, and uh, it was about the time you did Hysteria and I did Mystery Alaska. I yes. Think, with with the, all the boys. Um, and now, uh, do you do you remember do you remember uh, the place that uh, we stayed uh, in uh, Los Angeles uh, when we first I got do. there? Can you, can you, can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? It was a little, a little walk up in Beverly Hills and, um. Oh no, no. Well, let's get, let's get to that. I mean the very first, I mean the very first place. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The famed Highland Gardens on Hollywood, was it Hollywood or Franklin? It was on Franklin. Yeah, it was on Franklin. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about, tell me about, can you tell me about your experience at the Highland Gardens Hotel, please? Okay, so this was like the place that all the Canadians would be like, oh yeah, you gotta go stay at the Highland Gardens because it was really one of the only places you could stay where it's like, you know, fully furnished, uh, affordable. I mean, I guess, <laughs> wasn't really. Um, and uh, and you could, you know, short-term stays. They didn't really do credit checks or anything. We had no credit going down there as, as Americans. And so you, you know, we, we roll up to the Highland Gardens. We're like, okay. And it's basically like a disheveled motel at, at the time they've redone it since and we get our one bedroom apartment because we thought oh cool yeah no and they allowed dogs that was because I had my 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 one yep. dog at the time and we get ushered to our suite <laughs> and like our neighbors were basically on the patio in you know like beer drinking cigarettes smoking like just like leathery faces we walk into our apartment and I think they had like three kids staying with them as well. Like to me, I think of it as it's where all actors 
go to either hit it or die. One of the yeah, one of the uh, one, one of the one of the one one of the other, but it has so many great memories because there are so many actors who have kind of uh, graced the uh, the suites uh, in the uh, Highland Gardens Hotel, uh, and uh, I believe uh, the one that we had at the back had beautiful orange shag carpet. Is that correct? Oh yeah, I remember spilling water on it by accident, and I was like, oh, let me go like wipe that up with some paper towel, and I went to to like you know do the paper towel thing and I picked up the paper towel I don't I don't know if you remember this but it was like brown I was like oh yeah, my god yeah. this is so disgusting yeah Co consequently we never walked with bare feet on that floor uh yeah uh, but it was great it had a pool in the middle everybody gathered around the pool um in fact there's actually uh, uh I think you told me this Manny there is yeah. a, a really cool kind of uh surreal documentary out there somewhere about the Highland Gardens Hotel and kind of like the actor's life and how people kind of would migrate there and migrate out of there and kind of how some people would live there forever. Um, uh, so if, if, uh, if you uh, happen to want to Google something like that, anyone, uh, go and find it. It's, uh, it's a good laugh, if, if, if anything, but uh, a little insight into the uh, origins of our time uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, and I remember a story from that that was hilarious uh, because back in the day, obviously, you got your auditions via fax. And yeah. every everybody would line up in the lobby and wait for their auditions to come in, right? And you would like you would be like next, like who's next? And then you'd be like, what are you going out for? What are you going out for? Right? And it was hilarious. But I mean, great, great memories uh of that. And now, and now talk about moving on up. Uh where was next <laughs> where was the next place? <laughs> Well, we went from the, the Highland yes. Gardens and the, you know, the, the heart of Hollywood, uh, which is not what people think it is when they imagine Hollywood, um, until you go there and you're like, wow. Uh, and then we went to, to, to Beverly Hills <laughs> to a lovely little walk up that was uh, through a, a friend of mine that I'd worked with. We were subletting and we ended up taking over the apartment. But That's right. That's Sandra, Sandra Nelson, right? Sandra Nelson. Sa and Sandra, Sandra, oddly enough, sorry to interrupt. Sandra, oddly enough, did an episode of Monk. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I think she did. Yeah. Yeah, I think she did. Mr. Monk can't see a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, well, she she was kind enough to rent to us, and then she ended up getting married and, and didn't need the apartment, so we took it over. Um, and it, I think um, there was like a long lineage of people that had stayed in that apartment, but Lauren Bacall, apparently, at one point, that was That's her apartment. Right. Yeah, that that's right. So it had it had uh, it had good uh, juju that apart that apartment. Yeah, it did. But yeah. what I remember uh, very distinctly is the the owners of that land and that apartment complex, which they uh, also owned like half of Beverly Hills apparently. But they were like this old senile couple that owned a liquor a liquor place like up the street and I think every every month it was a battle she'd be like no I don't think you paid last month's rent I'm like no we gave you a check this is why we don't give you cash yeah. <laughs> I can pull it up <laughs> yeah that's great oh every man time. oh that's awesome the good old days and then sure and then sure enough a handful of years later here you are coming to uh guest star and play with us on the set of Monk so when you did monk i mean obviously uh i mean i knew you were coming on the show um did you do you have any memories of like of uh, auditioning for the show or or like joining the show like were you kind of were you familiar with it at all or what was that experience like um yeah i mean one of the producers was brothers with a producer that it was a brother of a producer i'd worked with and um and when so i, I you know that is are you talking about the zisk boys Yes, Randy, Randy, Randy and, yes. and Randy and Craig are, yeah, 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 and so that, that was lovely, there's always, it's always nice when you go into a room and there's a familiar face or a connection of some sort, um, and uh, the two distinct things that I remember from shooting were duct taping um, uh, Tony's <laughs> face and like being so nervous that I was like, I, and, and like, you know, I'm wrapping duct tape around his mouth and like, we're trying, I'm trying to do it somewhat gingerly, but it's supposed to be somewhat aggressive and kind of nasty. And I'm like, oh my God, poor guy is like, he's got his hands behind his back and he's trusting me to wrap his head in duct tape. Uh, and then the other thing was sliding down the garbage chute and, and landing in a pile of garbage and having you 
handcuff me. And I was like, well, this is this is an epic moment. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If 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 I recall, if I recall, I had the the director, Andre Belgrader, uh, and Randy Zish, the producer, the showrunner at the time, like let me just go off. And I think it was like something like, you know, in, in one of the takes, it was like, all right, put your hands on your head. Now take them off your head and put them behind your back. Now take them from behind your back and put them in front of your face. Now put them back behind your head again. And I just kept going off and off until you basically caught on. You were like, just shut up, man. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I was a, that was a great time. And it was awesome to have you on the show. It's always wonderful when you kind of have a pal or a buddy on the show, even though we didn't get to work together a lot on that uh, particular episode. Tony had a lot of his pals come on the show and you could see the chemistry. Uh, and it really, I think, really, really benefits uh, the show. You also had the great distinction uh, on Monk of not only being one of our guest stars, but also being the killer, also being the baddie, being the bad guy on the show, um, which is which is great because not everybody, you know, guest stars gets to do both of those things. Um, uh, one of uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is how was it working in that jury room shooting with like twelve? people on that episode because I mean you guys were all in that room for pretty much most of the show um it was long and hot because <laughs> you know they have to shut down the AC every time that we shoot and there was a lot of shootings and a lot of shooting and uh you know they have to cover everybody obviously so that took it was a lengthy process um however you know the the upside of that is you're in one location for the entire the duration of it you're inside you know, you're not dealing with any of the weather elements uh, that you might have to on on something else. But um, although we're in California, so it's that's not really a problem usually, <laughs> other no. than just extreme heat. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was great because it was very contained and it made it very sort of easy um, and comfortable. Yeah, that that's great. Now now, Lara, y you being our resident uh, monk super fan, do you have any uh, kind of? Uh, uh, memories or kind of uh you know uh kind of little moments on that show you want to uh bring yeah. to emmanuel's attention this was a great show and i i actually you mentioned something emmanuel did you do the shoot the garbage shoot yourself i was wondering if that was you or if that was a stunt double i think it was me was it not me i don't i can't yeah, i remember. think yeah i think you did it yourself i think it was kind of fun I, yeah I you and benito yeah, martinez or no it wasn't that was that was carlos gomez i think it wasn't benito martinez uh, benito martinez was the foreman wasn't he wait so i didn't go down the garbage chute yes you did your own stunts uh you came down the uh the uh the shoot yourself uh cool, with uh, carlos cool. gomez i believe uh who played your husband on that show um also with uh, benito martinez who played the foreman uh you know, a couple of great uh, actors. We're very ha pleased to have them on the show, as well as that whole, you had a very big guest cast. How was it like working with all those people? It was great. I mean, it's always nice when you've got, you know, you're surrounded with people who have a wealth of experience and that only adds to, you know, everything that you do on the show. So that that was, you know, oh, it's always a blessing to have that. Yeah, no, it it, ab it, abso it absolutely is. And it kind of, it keeps it, keeps it more lively too, I think. Uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, who was, uh, Wings Hauser was kind of like the, the gruff kind yeah. of, uh, you know, uh, naysayer of, uh, of that episode. Um, and now, uh, listen, I want to, uh, I want to take it from Monk and I want to ask you when you did Monk, when you did that episode of Monk, were you shooting two and a half men at the same time? Were you, were you going no. back? No. No, Monk was early like far before that i think that 2000, was 2000 2000 monk was 2006 um you know what it must have been just before i started two and a half men then okay it must have been like the spring because i started two and a half men i uh yeah like in 2006 probably like september-ish like the beginning of that season season two of two and a half men yeah right and and obviously you had a great run on that show uh tell me a little bit about uh, just working on that show, number one, but then also, too, how kind of doing comedy on a sitcom kind of at the top of the food chain there in the sitcom world uh, is 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 the same or is different from doing the type of comedy that was uh, required on Monk, which comes more out of uh, kind of character-based stuff. Obviously, on a sitcom, it's a little more regimented. You kind of know where the laughs are going to come. You kind of work towards the laughs. You get a lot more rehearsal, obviously, to kind of find those jokes and hit those jokes. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to hear, you know, a little bit about that, just about your time on Two and a Half Men, obviously working with Charlie Sheen. I mean, I think everybody knows, you know, kind of the ups and the downs of his career. Um, I know just from what you've told me in the past that you had a great time uh, working on that show, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. And then, yeah, and then speak on the kind of just the two types of comedy a little bit for me. Um, yeah, my time on Two and a Half Men was a lot of fun. You know, it, it was it, in the beginning. I, I mean, I'd never that was my, you know, entry into sitcom period. I'd never done a sitcom. So it was at the time when I auditioned for it, I, you know, I really had no idea. I hadn't even I, I'd seen billboards of the show, but I'd never watched the show. Did you know how popular did you know how popular it was? No, which was probably a really good thing when I auditioned for it. Cause like, once you know, like how big of a deal a show is or whatever, and you go in and read for it, like then you're nervous and you, all this other crap starts going through your head um, of like, oh my God, this could be a really, you know, great thing. And it, all this other stuff. So I, I had none of that going in. I just went in, had fun, you know, do, I did what I was, you know, what you're supposed to do yeah, <laughs> when yeah. you don't have all those, all that talk in your, in your head. Um, and, uh, and then I booked it and initially it was only supposed to be like, you know, the first episode, possibly up to three episodes. And then they kept me on, but I was terrified because I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a complete fraud. Like, they have, <laughs> like I'm walking onto this show. I do not know what, I've never done this before. Um, you know, the whole live audience, four cameras. Uh, but, you know, after the initial couple of episodes, I kind of warmed up to it, warmed up to the, the whole audience thing. Charlie had said something to me, you know, seeing that I was a little nervous about the live audience things. Like they're here because they love the show. They're not here to heckle and like to, you know, they're not here because they hate us. They, they're here because, you know, so if you screw up or if something happens, like they love that. It's cool. Right, it's all right. Fine. That's a, that's a so, great, great note. That's actually a really, really great note. Yeah. And he like, and that really put me at ease. And, and so from that time on, it was like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, that's true. And I, you know, I can, you know, kind of let loose and have fun. Um, so yeah, this, you know, the difference between that and one hour, uh, one, the schedule obviously is completely different. You, you know, you can have much more of a life and it's you, you're in rehearsals for the first three, four days of the week. And then you pre-shoot on the Thursday um, or in our case on the Thursday, anything that's not going to be in front of the audience. Uh, and then they cut that together. And um, when we do the live audience taping on the Friday, they in sequence, like if, you know, we'll shoot the, the opener or the teaser or whatever. And then if the second scene happened to be pre-taped, they'll air that, like they'll show the audience that so they're in the loop as to what's happening, um, you know, in sequence with what we're shooting. We shoot the whole show in sequence. So that, I mean, you know, it was a very smoothly run show and, you know, there was none of this, you hear about sitcoms that tape until like two in the morning. I think Friends was one of the ones that was like notorious for that, um, you know, keeping their audiences late. I mean, I'm sure everybody was very happy to be there, but uh, with two and a half minutes, like we were, we'd start at seven, um, we'd be done by anywhere from 9 30 to 10 30 at night on a Friday you know you'd have your your beer or whatever at the end with the crew and everyone and then you'd just go home yep Fine, uh, so a finally lovely. a finely tuned machine you were working for there yeah. yes very finely tuned um and in regards to like the comedy style on a sitcom versus what we were doing on Monk you know um this you know the there's a definite formula to the sitcom uh, world, you know, it's like- Yeah, that's really, you know what? That's really, up, that's up. really well said because I was going to say it much crappier and say something like, you know, on a, in a sitcom, in a, sit, in a sitcom, it's generally like, it's like louder, faster, funnier, like just bigger, bigger is better. And then on a show like Monk, we almost went the opposite way with our comedy to try and make it really subtle and really just fit into the actual character that you were playing. Like, for example, in- uh, in uh, the, when you guys were sequestered in that jury room, you know, one of the scenes that I, I just I, I, I absolutely love, and I love when Tony does this scene kind of throughout the series of Monk. Um, you know, he he goes and he straightens the blinds. Yeah. That you know, great. just at the very beginning, but it's just so, it's just so subtle. Like while everyone else is talking, you know, and kind of talking about like, is he guilty? Is he not guilty? You just kind of get a shot of Monk in the background over there, just touching the blinds yeah. and just making sure the blinds are straight. 
And it kind of goes on and on and on until finally someone in the jury goes, what are you doing over there, man? You know, just vote. We have to vote. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's great. So, but you're absolutely right. I think you said it much better. Uh, it's uh, more of a formula, the the comedy. Uh, and it's... Yeah, uh, there's, and it, yeah. there's a te definite technique to it, for sure, which is something that I had to learn, you know, all this whole notion of reversals. And I'm not going to get into all of that, but it's just, you know, there are things that are specific to that world. Um, whereas I think, but there's, I mean, there's ups and, uh, like there's good things and bad things. I mean, in, in the sitcom live audience, like you've got to account for the laughs and hold for the laugh. That's something I had to learn because, you know, they'd be like, they can't hear you if, you know, what your next line is. If so you, you keep going, yeah. Yep. If you keep going where, and so sometimes that can really upset the flow and the rhythm. It takes a bit of getting used to because it can upset the flow and rhythm of a scene that's supposed to be, you know, quick fire, and that's where sort of the, the joke and the funny is. However, it's like, you've got to fine tune it so that it allows for the laughs. Whereas in single camera, uh, one hour, you can have that rhythm and that speed to the dialogue and overlap and do all that and it works. And, or have the longer pauses and, and allow for a little more breathing room in areas um, that it doesn't necessarily work as well in, in four camera like you know sitcom right 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 and and, and i mean and, and also too i mean like you uh you you have uh as you say you've got that formula but you kind of also have to be maybe be a little uh quicker on your feet you know to kind of be able to adjust to those laughs and to adjust to those audience reactions to kind of know when to jump back in to know when to hold back a little bit so uh so yeah so i mean that's great that's awesome thanks for uh you know sharing you know sharing that with uh, the audience out there because uh, there certainly is a difference and there are different types of comedy uh and you know all very valid in their own right but uh, it it's it's cool now once again comedy you've done it uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, let's uh, switch gears into uh, the Saw franchise. So now we're doing <laughs> now we're doing some comedy, and now we just kind of do a complete a complete one eighty. And now we are doing like a uh, you know kind of I would say probably one of the most iconic franchises of horror up there up there with Halloween with uh, you know Friday the Thirteenth. I mean everybody knows Saw. Uh, how how was it working on? Uh, a, hor a horror movie because it certainly has its own kind of you know demands as well yeah there, uh, it's hard on the vocal cords <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of screaming um, yeah no that was I mean you know the saw thing came to me kind of in a it, it just yeah I, I didn't really know again another project and that one wasn't something I went in an audition for it was just sort of uh, came to me as an offer and I didn't know much about, you know, I, personally, I don't watch a lot of horror, so it's not like I'm more of a thriller, like, you know, supernatural type, you know, right. uh, viewer when it comes to that stuff. So I wasn't familiar with the franchise or it wasn't a franchise yet. And um, yeah, because so you did because you did number two, right? You started you started did, with number two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, so it was just was a, doing... it was just a sequel when you did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It didn't turn, you know, it wasn't like, you know, seven movies. Right, of deep, this, yep. but Yeah, it wasn't deep into the the multiple films. But um, but yeah, I mean, it was exciting. It was fun. And, and we shot all of the stuff in the house separately from what they shot with like Dina Myers and and, uh, and everyone else. So it was... Um, Dina, Dina Meyer, by the way, also did an episode of Monk. She did? Yep, there you go. Yep. <laughs> small world, small world. Small, small world. Um, so yeah, at the time, you know, we didn't really know what what we were getting into and what, you know, had the, the magnitude of that franchise. And uh, we shot that in May, I believe. I think it was May that we shot that of 2006. And I think it came out October, Halloween 2006. And it was, you know, it was just sort of a wild ride because, you know, it was number one at the box office opening weekend was like $88 million. Like it was, it was a big deal. And it was just sort of, we all kind of was, were like, oh my God, like this. Sure. Is, yeah. This oh, kind of, sure. It was, cool. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was a juggernaut at the box office and it really kind of sparked a lot of other movies that kind of copycatted that, 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 that kind of, uh, that, 
that kind of theme, I guess, or that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of uh, serial killer kind of hunting down those. I mean, it, it, it spawned a kind of new generation of that because obviously Halloween and Friday the 13th kind of captured it early. Uh, but uh, so um, did that, was that around the time, like, did you get to go to Comic-Cons and stuff? Was that around, was it, was that an era of that? Because like now, obviously with all these type of movies, that's kind of one of the first stopovers um, are these, uh, you know, festivals, these, these Comic-Cons. Was Saw, like Saw 2, especially when you did it, was it kind of, did it fit in there or did it just kind of miss that phenomenon? Um, well, Comic Con is interesting because <clears throat> when we so when the Saw like when we did Saw two, we did a lot of like we went to Vegas for a big opening there. We you know there was a lot of sort of press, and we went to New York and and did a big press tour there. Um, the Comic Con thing, you know, for the most part, yeah, like yes, there there is a uh, I I wasn't really doing Comic Cons at that point. Um, however, even when I did start doing them, they seem to be more focused on more of the uh, like less horror and more sci-fi. Okay, right, um, right, whereas, okay. And there's specific, there are specific comic cons that focus on the horror genre for sure, but they're much smaller than the more widely popular as a whole, the the sci-fi world. Uh, so when when I started doing comic cons, it was largely because of Lost Girl. Um, I would have a lot of people come to the table for you know because of Saw and and multiple other projects. But the the focus seemed to always kind of revolve around you know Supernatural, Smallville, Lost Girl, and those shows, as well as funny enough, Two and a Half Men. Yeah, let's let's talk. Let's, yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Let's talk about that for a second because you just mentioned in there. Uh, you just mentioned Lost Girl. You mentioned uh, Smallville, Supernatural. I mean, you really kind of uh, kind of have a, a a very diverse kind of Comic Con. Tell like those shows are massively popular at these festivals, at these at these cons. Uh, Charmed as well. Uh, you did One Tree Hill. Uh, you know shows like that. They still have huge followings um, at these comic cons. And let me just touch base on Smallville. Okay, uh, Helen Bryce, correct. Uh, love love interest of Lex Luthor. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum, yep. correct. Uh, um, mm -hmm. That really was I believe it was the WB at the time, not the CW. I believe that really was the show that kind of launched all these other shows that are out now. Arrow, The Flash, uh, Supergirl, all like this kind of you know universe of shows uh, of that genre. I mean, Smallville was really kind of you know the first one, and you were really there, kind of at the forefront of that and of kind of those shows being super popular at the Comic Cons. I mean, you know, also Supernatural, which you were on. You know, those kind of those two really seemed to be the ones that launched all the other ones kind of, you know, in, in that, in that direction. Uh, and that's pretty cool. And, and the, now you mentioned the lost girl that, ha that has a, a really like a kind of a incredible cult following, doesn't it? It does. You know, what's interesting about lost girls, they, they never really put a whole lot of money into uh, promoting it. You know, it was kind of a little engine that could, and it gained wide, like just this huge wide popularity. Um, around the world and was, I think like the one in the top 10 most pirated shows. Like I remember our producer, Jay Firestone sent us like, oh look, it's the, one of the top 10 most pirated shows around the world, isn't that great? We're like, wait a minute, that's not, I mean, yay, it's popular, but uh, pirated, like that's not a good thing. Like <laughs> that means people aren't buying it, yeah. <laughs> but they're watching it. <laughs> <laughs> like as a producer, this shouldn't be a great thing for you, but uh, but yeah, it's, it, it gained such a huge amount of popularity, and then Sci-Fi picked it up um, and started airing it. And it was it was one of those things that I feel like if they had put the kind of money behind or like the energy uh, behind it, the way you know the CW kind of puts their publicity engine behind their shows. It could have been, it would have been like, the, you know, another Buffy, like on that scale. It could have been that. Sure. Um, maybe, maybe it was a little, maybe it was also, you know, a little ahead of its time, you know, as, as yeah. well for that. Because another show that was a little ahead of its time uh, was Painkiller Jane. 
uh, where you uh, played Painkiller Jane, which is a huge comic book and like huge, it has its own kind of you know kind of bubble around it. Uh, and uh, I know that you played that character in a pilot for Sci-Fi, I I believe, and and for whatever reason that pilot kind of didn't find a didn't find a, its footing. Um, and what and what a shame because really I think it was a little ahead of its time. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, they they held on to it for, you know, I was held for over a year almost while they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with it. And um, and it's a shame because it could have been a really great, you know, I mean, for me, it would have been an amazing opportunity. It was an amazing opportunity, but for it to go forward would have been incredible. But yes, I believe like, you know, in, it was a bit of he like it was. I think if that had happened in the last five years, oh yeah, that show would have been on the air. Oh know? yeah, well, yeah, would have been. Yeah, you would have. You would have been making Painkiller Jane movies now. You know. Yeah, I'd have an action figure. Yeah, there, yeah, you would have. You would have. You would have an awesome. And speaking now, now speaking of speaking of action figures, all I ever wanted yeah. was an action figure. Speak, speaking, speaking, of, speaking of action figures, I did a little digging into your career. Uh, obviously, uh, you and I both grew up in in Vancouver, of course. I noticed that back in the day, you did an episode of the Ninja Turtle series. Oh yeah. Okay. Now, 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 do, do you do you know who the voice of Donatello was on that Ninja Turtle series? Me. It was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was me. So we worked together before we ever knew we worked together. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, odd, 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 oddly rave. enough. Yeah. There was a, I think I, I was part of a rave and it was like one of my very first jobs. I was so excited, but I remember like, it was like an 18 hour day, you know, I had my <laughs> little tiny trailer with basically like, it was in the honey wagon where basically the toilet is under the bench. Yeah. It's vile. Um, <laughs> I was so happy that I was, I was like, I'm, I'm an actress. I'm a working actress. That, damn, I, damn right, man. There's nothing wrong with that. My bench. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that, that's fantastic. I just want, I just wanted to bring that up because I do have an action figure, uh, in, in yeah, a small, in a small way, uh, the Ninja Turtle Donatello. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, Hey, listen, um, uh, once again, to, uh, to change, to change gears completely. Cause I want to get this in because it's something that's really close to my heart, uh, is that you and I are both big animal advocates. Um, uh, and, uh, I know, uh, that, I mean, animals across the board, but you in particular are a big horse person. So uh, talk to me just a little bit about your, uh, you know, just your personal connection with these gorgeous, majestic beasts. Uh, you know, it's, you know, people meditate, people do whatever they do in their spiritual practice. I mean, I, I, my version of that is being with my horse. Like when I'm on my horse, if I'm not, in the present moment, if I'm thinking about something from the past or something in the future and I'm preoccupied, I'm putting myself in danger. <laughs> you know, like I'm physically and you know, I am in danger. You're off your horse, present. in other words, yes. Yeah, I'm <laughs> off my horse and I'm on the ground if I do that. So it it's a definite like um, spiritual practice in a way for me to be stay present and in the moment when, when I'm there and it's a reminder instead of everyday life to do that. But it also, it's, it, I get an incredible sense of peace and just joy out of it. Like every day, it, you know, being, uh, having my horse nearby now, it's just like I, on my days where I'm not working. Like yesterday, I, I went to the barn at noon. <laughs> I brought the dogs and they have a play pen. They play with all the other dogs. And, and I didn't get home till eight o'clock at night. I was there all day long. I rode, I gave bunny, bunnies my horse. Um, I gave her a bath. I gave her treats. We went and got some grass and hung out. I put her back in her little paddock. I went and watched other people's lessons, cheered people on, took some video, you know, because we all like the video so we can get the cool still and be like, look what I did. And yeah. um, and then I, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, oh, okay, got to tuck her in and like put her little blanket on and, and uh, you know, gave her another carrot and was like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it especially through this last year and a bit has been such a saving grace, just mental health wise, even like, it's yep. just, I get to leave the house and be outside and see her. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Dogs. And you know, and uh, talking about talking about saving, you created a uh, a charity for uh, horses as well, right? Talk about can you I talk did. a little well, yeah, talk a little bit about so that. So the fluffball the fluffball is a foundation that I founded um, a handful of years ago. We've done six events now um and every every year up until a few years ago uh we were planning on doing one last year but obviously uh we sure. could not uh and um we choose a different animal charity that uh you know that does great work that we want to support and we throw a cocktail event for them which I, you, you've been to all of them i think i have and um and we raise money for them and and raise awareness and have a good time doing it and it's it's a lot of fun and it's uh, you know and i feel like it's uh, a great way it's something i'm passionate about and i feel strongly about giving back to the community in whatever way you're passionate about and that's you know for me that's what it is um and even so the first bunch of years was more sort of domestic pet like dogs and cats and that sort of thing uh the last couple of years has been um horses and even, you know, to, to go back to my horse, Bunny, she was a horse that was a broodmare for um, many years. She had eight babies and they couldn't get her pregnant anymore. And she has, she comes from incredible bloodlines and she's a beautiful horse. And, and uh, my trainer found her and was like, look, this is a horse that would cost a fortune if it was, you know, up and ready to go, like showing right now. She has a show record she just has been off for you know the last bunch of years having babies but she needs a new career now so if you're willing to put in the work this could be a really great uh pairing for you so i flew up tried her everything and she was such a sweet like just such a you could see why they bred her because she had such a sweet disposition and uh her mind was just she was very calm and and uh just easy uh and very willing which is odd for a chestnut mare because they're known as like fiery redheads and like, you never know what, you know, what you're going to get, but she is the opposite of that. So we took a good solid two years training her and getting her fit enough because you got to do it very slowly or you're going to blow a tendon or do, you know, there's all kinds of things that could go wrong. She was 250 pounds overweight and we, you know, we got her back to a place where she was fit enough to start jumping bigger. And now we're two and a half years in and it's, Oh, she's an amazing horse and she's very talented wow. and I'm, you know, I feel very lucky to, to a founder. Yeah. And you can, and on hey, and listen, by, by you just talking about that and sharing that with us, uh, you know, uh, Lara and myself, we can clearly see, uh, you know, how passionate you yeah. are about that and how much you truly do care about the, about, about animals. So I'm I, I love, I love when that stuff kind of shines through and these type of podcasts aren't just so much about, Oh, what are you doing now? What are you working on? Acting, right. acting, <laughs> acting, you know, mm -hmm. like when we can branch off and talk about real life stuff. Um, uh, you know, and that, uh, that's, that's great, which is so, so wonderful that you came to join me because obviously we're pals. We go back uh, a long way uh, and I'm sure we could talk about acting for days and days, but it's this type of stuff that I really, that I really love uh, hearing about, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, real life stuff and kind of uh, that everything's going well. Uh, by the way, my mom says hi. Uh, my mom. mom, my mom says hi. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, listen, uh, I know you're in Vancouver now. I know you're working now. I know you can't talk about it. Um, so I won't, I won't uh, jump into anything. I won't poke you and prod you on that. Um, but I will say thank you very much for coming to join us today. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, it's always awesome to see you. Uh, thank you for sharing some stories with us. Thank you for talking about Mr. Monk gets jury duty. I know yeah. it was, uh, like 75 years ago. Uh, but <laughs> considering we're, we're only 25, you know, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah, very good. Uh, but, but listen, Manny, come back on the show, join us whenever you want. Uh, we would absolutely, uh, love to have you. Uh, and until that time, uh, I just want to say, uh, on behalf of the, uh, Randy Disher podcast, uh, on behalf of Lara, on behalf of myself, thank you so much for coming to visit today. Uh, and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you soon. I'll call you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Awesome. All right, take care. I'll talk to you real okay. soon. All right. Okay, bye. Bye, Laura. Bye-bye.
All right, another good episode with my pal. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like I'm just gonna I'm yeah. just gonna have my friends on now. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna have my friends on every episode. Doesn't matter what they do, whether they know Monk or not, and we're just gonna catch up. I think that I think that's yes. I think that I think that's great. But you know, yeah, it was yeah. It, it's it's really uh, it's good. I mean, not only to have you know uh, you know a, a pal on, but also someone you know that it, it very relevant to the yes. podcast obviously you know with ties you know strong ties to uh the series monk uh she was on is, such a great episode and and yeah. you know what incidentally she's our first murderer on the podcast is that right really? i'm right okay right? okay I good that's she's, well that's right? good it's always good for first fat tony, good yeah. fat tony was not a villain um yeah, but she's that... our first monk uh villain <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, no, you, you watched the episode, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a great episode. I, I, there was so many funny moments in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah you know, I, I, I think so. I think so too. I think it was, uh, you know, um, Andre Belgrader who yeah. uh, directed that, that episode. Yeah, yeah he uh, is a very good friend of Tony's, okay. and uh, Tony and Andre worked in the theater uh, a lot quite a bit. Okay. Um, and Andre directed Tony, uh, you know, numerous times. Uh, uh, one that comes to mind is, uh, Tony and his wife both did, uh, happy days. Uh, the, the Beckett oh, play wow. with, uh, Andre directing. Okay. I think, uh, Andre directed Tony and Totoro uh, a few times, uh, in, okay. in, in a couple of different plays. So Andre was the director of that episode. And one of the great okay. things that Andre brought, he directed a few of Monk's episodes as well. You know, there's actually a really good, moment on Monk where uh, Andre kind of brings out these details, these lovely little details. And it's a scene between Stottlemyre and Disher right. when they're in the city hall, walking down the city hall hallway. And Stottlemyre is dictating, you know, a list of things for Disher to do. And Disher uh, is writing them down uh, as he follows Stottlemyre along, writing them yes. in his trusty, <laughs> trusty, famous uh, Disher notebook. Oh, but the catch is, but, yeah, but the catch is, uh, the, the the pen's not working. The right. ink isn't working in the pen. The pen's frozen. Um, so Disher, as he's walking down, is kind of doing all these very little subtle things to kind yeah. of get the pen to work, tapping it on the page, uh, <laughs> licking it with his tongue, shaking it, you know. Yep. And it's just, it's it's such a quick little scene, but it's so yeah. relatable because yeah. I think everyone has like written something down <laughs> on a piece of paper and the ink hasn't come out of the pen and you're like, God, let's shake it and you tap it and then you scribble a little harder, you know, but you, but you want to write the stuff down, you know? Right. And, uh, uh, so there, that's one, that's one moment that kind of, uh, you know, came to mind about Andre having this type of, uh, you know, detail in his, uh, in his directing. Um, and you know which, what? Uh, it makes it makes sense that you're explaining this now that he was he paid such attention to all the characters because this was an unusual episode with so many guest stars, right? There was you know twelve people in a room was not very typical for Monk, right? Yeah, correct. Yep, you correct. know it was it was interesting, and he gave them everybody had their own little personality, and everyone delivered it really well. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a funny scene. You know, there's another scene that I loved in this episode. And I actually, it's funny because I've heard from a couple of our listeners, uh, through Instagram who said that they love this scene as well. The ID scene. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, when... yes, yes, yes. I absolutely know what you're talking about. Um, uh, it's, it's a, once again, it's a very, 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 very simple yep. scene yes. where Tony is up in a window Yes. And Trailer Howard and myself are down on the ground, right. and it's kind of like a, it's kind of like that uh, you know that game telephone you used to play exactly. where you whisper something into someone's exactly. ear and they pass it on down the line. But yeah. at the end of the line, it was completely misconstrued. Well, it's very much like that. It was a scene where Tony was yelling out the window, you know, to basically, you know, like figuring out if this uh, murder victim. Uh, had right. any ID right. and uh, <laughs> and Disher and Trailer were down on the ground screaming to him no that ID. the that that the that the the victim had no ID right. and Tony misinterpreted that as there no idea we have no idea <laughs> and it went back and forth and back and forth and on and on and uh, uh, once again just that those little attentions to details oh my God, and yeah. also. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things I loved about doing Monk is they let the joke go on 
just a little too long. And by doing that, it became all the more funny by it, just stretching yeah. it out and stretching it out. Um, so that was... But you uh, know so, what? I have to say, as I was watching it, I was thinking exactly that, that if any three other actors had done that, though, it could have fallen flat or it could have been too long. And the three of you, the way you delivered that, it was just, it was perfect. It was so funny. It didn't feel too long. It was just so priceless. I love that scene. That was so great. Yeah, no, it was it was good, which uh, leads me to actually another scene in Monk, okay. which, again, yeah. which is another nice little detail uh, scene is, uh, you know, this episode of Monk yeah. starts off not with a murder, yes. but with a but with a foot chase with uh, Stoudemire and Disher. Too. Yeah, and we actually and we actually shot this episode, uh, you know, in San Francisco. So it was great oh, running around, you. you know, okay. the very famous San Francisco Chinatown, sure. um, you know, doing this chase. But uh, yet again, uh, one of these great moments that I got a laugh uh, out of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, after all these years later rewatching the show right. is Disher and Stottlemyre running full tilt, trying <laughs> to catch this drug cartel, you know, right. in, a, in, in what looks like. Uh, could be the opening of the show looks like it could be uh, any kind of uh, any kind of cop show of the sure. day, exactly. uh, you know, Law and Order or CSI, for example, yeah. uh, uh, you know, and and, you know, it's only broken by Disher on the microphone describing <laughs> yes. the perpetrator and getting to the point where he says he's about five feet, 11 inches tall. He's wearing a purple shirt. Well, it might be lavender or mauve. I'm not sure, you know, that he's going so detailed he with his description <laughs> Yeah, that he just can't help himself. And, you know, I got a real kick out of, uh, you it know, out great. of that scene, too. And then, you know, we won't go on too long about it because uh, I'm, I'm hoping most of our listeners out there have seen this episode and yeah. have enjoyed it. Um, the best scene in this uh, episode to me was the scene at the end when yeah. all the jurors are taped up. And they're all, they, they can't get out. And Monk has this wonderful idea of going into yes. the evidence bag yes. and getting the knife, the knife to cut them all free. Right. And we watch him, we watch Monk struggle to get to the, to the table. We watch him struggle to get the bag. We watch him yeah. struggle to get the knife out of the bag. And then what does he do with that knife? <laughs> he takes that knife and he slides his chair over to the window right. to straighten the blinds. And the lady who thought he was going to save her was was great. I loved that. She thought yep. he was going to cut her free, and then he goes to the blinds. It was yep. classic. And, in, and was instead so of good. cutting himself free and freeing <laughs> right. the rest of freeing the rest of the jurors, he goes over to the blinds and uses the knife to straighten them. So um, great. Uh, just a truly, truly <laughs> moment. Uh, it, it's, it's a great, you know, once again, once again, uh, great, great writing. Uh, oh, yeah. on that particular uh episode so uh you know it was uh, i think um i think uh peter i'm just trying to think peter woke mm. i think uh, was the writer on that okay. uh yeah and uh, but just uh, just overall overall great writing and that scene really just kind of you know you know jumped out uh and and uh it's funny because we actually get a lot of comments from the fans saying yeah. that they really enjoy uh, you know, that episode from, yes. um, and now I believe it, I think it was, I think it was season, season, it was season six. Four. Wait, no, it was I season four. Season four. Okay. Yeah. So it yeah. was season four and it was, and I know for a fact that it was the last episode of season four, I believe. Um, okay. You know, so kind of, so kind of once again, when Monk was kind of like right in its sweet spot. Yes. Uh, exactly. You know, uh, you know, and we were kind of firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm really glad that I revisited that episode, yeah. uh, just like we revisited last week's, uh, podcast episode, Mr. Monk meets the Godfather. Yeah. Because um, you're sharing all this little trivia that I didn't know and you haven't shared with me and I'm learning so much as we go along. And I, I, that's fascinating. I didn't know it was filmed on location in Chinatown in San Francisco. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. So and then t and Ted and I also, Ted and I also like to do like a lot of our own stunts. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, if we, if we could get away with them and that sure. running and that running scene that yeah. we did at the beginning of that episode, uh, we, yeah, we went full, we went full tilt. And in yeah. fact, it's, it's, it's cut and edited obviously for the oh, television okay. series. Right. But I do remember a couple of takes 
where we just went full tilt and we tried to do it all in one big shot. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I recall Ted and I being very, very winded uh, and tired <laughs> after that, uh, after that day, after that day's, after that day's work. Um, so if we, you know, if we get the monk reunion, are you and Ted going to reenact that scene now? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. I'm sure. I think we're a little too old to, to run, run through the streets of uh, Chinatown now. Now maybe we'll make it, we'll make it a car chase. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll make it a car chase, I think, um, you know, and uh, just and just to, to wrap up about that episode. What's cool about that episode as well is it's a very straightforward monk episode. Um, yeah, and, true. And, and, and in and in that it's very clear and very well put together. Uh, and I also really love the fact that there were two storylines that interconnected because monk. And, yes. and Natalie had their own storyline with the That's jury right. and getting jury duty. And right. Stottlemyre and Disher had their very own storyline of kind of bringing this drug cartel to custody. And right. yet at the end of that episode, those two storylines crossed over they and did. crossed over very well, Helped each uh, other. I yeah. think, to kind of yeah. bring that whole episode to a lovely uh, kind of a, a lovely kind of climactic uh, ending. Um, it's very true. Very yeah. True. So, you know, so uh, as I say, you know, uh, I will happily toot the horn uh, of everybody who worked on that episode, guest yeah. stars, crew, uh, writers, producers. Um, it was, uh, you know, it, it turned out, it turned out, uh, it turned out great. And it was terrific yeah. having Emmanuel from that episode uh, join us. And how, and how insight. great is it? Yeah. And how great is it that she's my pal too? Because yeah. you don't often, you don't often get to work with, uh, you know, your friends, uh, you know, you, you try, but uh, the cards just don't uh, fall that way sometimes. True. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, and it's uh, you know, and it's always it's always nice. And uh, now let me tell you, yes, we've got a couple, we got some shows coming up, and on these shows that are coming up, we're going to be bringing in some more really cool guest stars, yeah, from various episodes of Monk, who are going to come and join us on the show. I'm not going to say who they are. You're right. just going to have to wait for that, Keep everybody. Listening, but I do, tuned. yeah. But I do assure <laughs> you, and Lara can back me up yes. that we've got some really cool ones uh, coming up uh, in the very, very uh, near future. So uh, I hope you stick with us. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of right. the Randy Disher podcast, all things Monk and more, because that's what you got. You got all things Monk, and you got a little more. So I'm Jason right. Gray Stanford. This is Lara Arrocho. Uh, we are the Randy Disher Podcast. And we say, be kind to yourself, be kind to animals. And remember, as Randy Disher always says, happiness is a choice. So we'll see you all next week, everybody. Take care. The Randy Disher Podcast is a member of the Mouthful Media Podcast Network. That's a mouthful.